Well, welcome to Living Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us uh, this morning. If you have children that are kindergarten to third grade and are going uh, down to Children's Church, they can dismiss out the back uh, with Miss Melody. Uh, If your children are staying with us uh, and would like, there's activities on that back table that they are free to grab and take to their seat and use throughout the service. Uh, There's also sermon notes back there designed for them that they can use and they'll play bingo during the service and have some fun. So uh, that's there. Um, so today, we are, once again, we are continuing in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And as we say, uh, just about every week on the Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus' first recorded uh, teaching discourse in the Gospels. It is his longest recorded teaching di- discourse, and it is perhaps his most famous sermon recorded in the Gospels. We're now in our 10th sermon on this series, so I'm not going to attempt to uh, recap all of it today. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking to those of us who claim to be his followers. And he is challenging the Pharisees, and he's challenging many of our preconceived notions of what it means to follow God. And throughout the sermon, he is sharing with us the truth that God is concerned about our hearts, not just our religious actions. God doesn't desire just for us to check off religious boxes, but he desires to transform our hearts, our personhood, to be more like his. He desires for us to live like, love like, serve like, give like, and be more like him in response to the grace and forgiveness that we have been shown. God desires to transform us to be more like him. He does not desire for us just to be actors that act more like him in some spheres, but act like the world in the rest of our lives. So last week we were in chapter 6. We focused on verses 1 through 8 and then verses 16 through 18. And in that section of scripture, Jesus not only challenged our heart and our motivation for living, but he also challenged our heart and our motivation for worshiping, for serving, for loving God. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of teachers, uh, religious teachers of Jesus' day, they had taken even this act of worship This act of loving God, and they had made that all about themselves. Jesus used the examples of giving, praying, and fasting to make this point. And Jesus said, if your motivation for giving towards God's causes, praying to God and fasting before God was the praise of man, then that was your reward. That was all you got. If you fast so that people might celebrate you and see just how holy you are, as opposed to how great your God is, then you have missed it. He said, if you give and make it a show to be celebrated by people, then you have missed it. If you pray to put on a show so that others might recognize how great and how holy you are, then you have missed it. Jesus says, if you pray in an attempt to merely get God to do your will, then you have missed the purpose. And these are just examples that can be expanded to every aspect of our worship of God. If you come to church, serve at church, lead at church, serve in the community, give to the needy, volunteer your time, sacrifice for others, just so that people might celebrate you, just so that you might get recognized, then Jesus says you have missed the point. You have missed the heart of God, and the celebration of man is the extent of your reward. So that was last week's message. If you'd like to check it out, you can and watch it in full. It's on YouTube, or you can listen on Apple Podcasts by searching Living Hope Green River. But Jesus cares about our motives. He cares about our why for worshiping. And so last week we spent a lot of time focused on the kind of the the negative motive for prayer. And then here today we are going to focus on the model of prayer that Jesus provides us. And this prayer serves as, as a model for how we are to pray, but also a model for how we are to daily spend time with God and a model for how we are to worship and how we are to live this life uh, honoring God. Jesus' model prayer here is going to lift our eyes to a holy, all-powerful God. Jesus' model prayer expands our perspective from our daily lives and from ourselves, and it calls us to live dependent on God. 
And so we're going to talk about it, but, but note that this is a model prayer. This is an example, a guideline that Jesus gives us for how we are to pray. Jesus did not intend for this just to be a prayer that we recited each and every day so we could check off the religious box. In fact, the idea of just checking off religious boxes to earn God's favor is exactly what he is preaching against and has been teaching us against. Jesus, throughout this Sermon on the Mount, he has been giving us examples that set a precedent of how we are to live life. He's not giving us an all-inclusive definition of every aspect, but he is giving us a model of how life works. And that's what we get here. So this section of scripture isn't designed to be the only prayer we pray daily for the rest of our lives, but it's a model for how we to, are to approach God, commune with God, and live life as we follow him. Today we're going to walk through Jesus' model prayer and try to draw out principles of how Jesus is leading us to pray and follow God in our lives. But before we do that, let's read. We're in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5. We talked about verses 5 through 8 last week, but it helps to provide context for what we are reading today. So Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for just this model of life that we have received in this whole sermon. We thank you for the practical application we have received in teaching on how we are to navigate this life. So God, I pray today, Lord, as we study this model prayer of how it is we are to pray, how it is we are to commune and to relate with you, God, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds uh, to those areas where maybe we, are, uh, we have been misdirected or we have missed it. And God, we pray that you would draw us back to who you are, that you would draw us back to the gospel and the, the grace and forgiveness we've received. God, that you would draw us to invest in more than, than just our temporary lives, but to, to invest in you and your kingdom. God, that we've been reminded of how you love us and care for us. Lord, I pray there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that they might see their need for your forgiveness today, and Lord, might receive it uh, today. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. It's your name we pray. Amen. So we'll start uh, unpacking this in verse 9. Verse 9, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we're going to begin with a bonus point uh, that comes in this very first word, our, or our, if I could pronounce correctly. Jesus says, when you pray, you pray our Father in heaven. And this is so significant because we live in a very me-centered self-centered culture and yet jesus says when we pray we pray not as i but as our we pray with the reminder that we are a part of god's people and we live to be a part of his mission barclay notes in his commentary it is very significant that in the lord's prayer the words i me and mine never occur this is gonna be a common theme throughout this prayer but jesus is lifting our eyes from ourselves 
So when we pray, when we worship, we walk through this, when we walk through this life, we walk through not just as an individual, but as a member of God's people. We are not designed to walk alone, but with God's people. And Jesus is reminding us of that truth right here in the model prayer. We are not alone. This life is not all about me. But we have been saved as, as, as individuals to live life alongside God's people and to invite others into the family of God's people as we live for his glory and his mission as opposed to just our own. All right, that's your bonus point for the day. But Jesus is reminding us that we walk through this life not alone, not exclusively for the glory, pleasure, and pursuit of me, but we walk through this life as God's people for his glory uh, and for his recognition. All right, so verse 9, one more time. He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first phrase, our Father in heaven, this would have immediately been a shock to the Jesus' Jewish audience. The Jews had a good and healthy fear of God, but in their legalistic ways, which we've seen throughout this sermon, they had taken, uh, taken it to an extreme that had made God feel distant and unrelatable. They had such a reverent respect for God that they wouldn't even say his name. And then Jesus shows up and he calls God not only by his name, but he calls him Father. And the Hebrew word here is this word Abba, which translates better to Daddy or Papa in, their, in our culture. And so Jesus says, not only does God desire to relate with us as a father, but he desires to relate with us as a daddy does his child. And this completely changes the way we pray and the way we walk through this life. Example of like this, this, why this terminology makes such a big difference. I'm getting ready to uh, defend a, a dissertation in a couple weeks for my doctorate. And so this week I met with my committee chair. And in the world of academia, you have to be formal. You have to be proper. You have to dot every single I and explain everything you do. That conversation was radically different than when I got home and my three-year-old ran to me and calls me daddy and asked me for something. One conversation is rigid. It is formal. It is very distant. And that's what they had created uh, when they prayed to God. He was formal. He was distant. He was uh, unaccessible. The other conversation with my three-year-old is, is, is informal. It is filled with love, and it is filled with compassion. And Jesus says God is not in distant, and he is not indifferent to our lives, but he loves us. He cares for us. He provides for us as a good daddy cares for his child. A few months ago, we spent a whole week looking at this principle, this truth that God calls us his child. And that truth completely changes how we pray and how we walk through this life. God loves you. He calls you his child. He cares for you. He provides for you. He desires what is best for you. And he's involved and invested in your life. So Jesus says when you pray, you don't come to a distant and indifferent God, but you pray to a God who knows all about you, who cares for you, and knows what you are going through, and he cares for what you're going through, and he loves you. We saw it last week, but your prayer doesn't have to be filled with flowery church language, but it can be an honest dialogue between a child and and his father. In addition, we saw last week, your prayer doesn't have to be an intelligence briefing with a disinterested third party. But your heavenly father, your dad, knows all about your life. He knows what you're walking through. He knows your problems, and he cares for you. You can talk openly and freely with him about all that is going on in your life, your family, your world, and he cares. And so this model prayer is teaching us to relate to God not only in how we pray, but also how we live and walk through life. And so our first point is this. Jesus teaches that we are to pray and we are to relate to our God as a child relates with his dad. It's so profound. God loves you if you are his. He cares for you. He is invested in your life. He knows all about your life. 
And he is there for you as a good dad is there for his child. If you'd like to hear that relationship unpack more, I encourage you to go back and to listen to that whole sermon we preached on it. It was called, it was in our Who You, Who you Say I Am series, and it was called I Am a Child of God. It was on October 30th. But it's so important that we understand how God sees us and views us and how he desires to relate with us. When we pray and, and, as, and as we live, we do so as a loved by and cared by child of the God of the universe who calls us his. That is so mind-blowing to me. All right, verse 9, once more, one more time. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus tells us we come before God, we pray to God, we relate with God as our dad, as our father, as a good dad, as a good father. But we also relate with him with deep reverence and respect. Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Now many of you are smarter than me, and perhaps you use this word hallowed all the time. But that is not a word I use daily, so I looked it up and I looked up the definition. And according to Google, uh, which is always correct, I think, right? The word hallowed means holy, consecrated, greatly revered, and honored. And so Jesus says we relate with God as our Father, but we also have a deep respect for who He is and for His holiness. And before that, Jesus reminded us that God, our Father, is our Father, but He also resides in heaven. Which calls us to remember that he is above and greater than our understanding, perspective, and ways. Daniel Doriani writes, God is both near to us, for he is our father, and beyond us, for he is in heaven. God is God over all the universe. And so we approach him with reverence and respect. So our next point is this. Jesus teaches that we are to pray and relate to our God with reverence and respect for his character and his ways. Ray Fowler writes, God's name is more than just whatever we happen to call God. God's name refers to his character or his person. It refers to all who God is, his character, his nature, his love, his holiness. It refers to the fact that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we are to honor Jesus along with the Father. This prayer, hallowed be your name, is not simply a prayer that we would honor and revere the Lord, but that all people everywhere would honor and revere him. Our hearts should be grieved any time we dishonor the Lord, but also when we see his name dishonored elsewhere. And so even in this phrase, Jesus is calling us to honor and celebrate our God who cares for and loves us. But he's also calling us to join his mission, his desire to spread his goodness, his glory, his forgiveness to the world around us. So that all might know and experience his love. Our prayers and our lives should celebrate who God is. They should remind us of God's character and the love he has shown us. And that calls us to love him more and share that love with the world around us. And so as we walk through life and as we pray, Jesus calls us to revere the character of God, to live our lives, to make his name and his character known. But again, this is so counterintuitive. Because by nature, when we pray, when we live life, it is all about me. It's all about my desires, my wants, my comfort, my preferences. But Jesus already in the beginning is calling us to lift our eyes to the God of the universe who is greater, who is good, and who loves us so deeply. And this expands in verse 10. Verse 10, Jesus says we are to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says here our prayers, our lives should be motivated by and they should be focused on God's kingdom. They should be focused on his will, his ways as opposed to our kingdom, our ways, and our desires. 
our prayers, our lives should be focused on and motivated by the kingdom of God, the salvation of our friends and neighbors, more so than our comfort, pleasure, and ease. So Jesus here, he's lifting our eyes. He is expanding our perspective beyond ourselves, our trials, our desires, and he is lifting them to the God of the universe and his plans, his desires, his ways, his will for our lives in the world. So that's our, our next point. Jesus teaches that our prayers and our lives should focus primarily on God and his will. If we want to pray prayers that make an eternal difference and live a life that makes a difference, then Jesus calls us to join the one mission that is and will make an eternal difference. Now, if I were to be honest and examine my prayer life, far too much of it is focused on me. And far too much of it is focused on the temporary. And I would guess for many, if not most of us, that same thing is true. Our prayers are focused primarily on us and on today or the very short term. And we spend very little time praying for God's will. Praying for God's mission to save people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Praying for God's desire to save our friends, neighbors, and co-workers. Praying for God's kingdom and God's mission which will reverberate in eternity. And yet I have the tendency to spend most of my time praying about me and praying for things in the very, very near term. And so Jesus here is drawing my eyes and he is drawing our eyes from the immediate to the eternal. From me to God's mission and God's heart. We've asked this before, but perhaps the most telling question in regards to our prayers is this. If God answered every prayer you have prayed this past week in one fell swoop, what would the impact of our prayers be? Would his will have been accomplished? Would his kingdom have increased? How many people would be in heaven today if God answered all your prayers this past week? How would his promises, his purposes have been accomplished in your life, in your family's life? Or would answered prayers from this past week primarily look like increased comfort for you, increased ease for you, and perhaps some relief in the immediate? Now, as we will see in just a second, God cares about everything we are going through. And we can take any and everything to him. God cares for us as a dad cares for a child. He loves to hear it all, but Jesus is calling us to more than just me. God is lifting our eyes to the God of the universe and his plans and his mission. Jesus is calling us to pray prayers and live lives that reflect God and his wills and his desires and not simply our own. And when we pray prayers like that, we will see God do things so much greater than ourselves, so much greater than we can imagine. When we pray prayers and live lives like that, we will find ourselves in the middle of God's will, and we will see God use us not just to make an impact for today, but we will see him use us to make an impact for eternity in the lives of those around us. When we pray prayers like that, it will lift our lives, our, our, our eyes and our lives from me to God who is greater than me that is greater than my trials, and it will lift my lives, eyes to see what God is doing all around me. Perspective comes, freedom comes, purpose comes when we look to the author of creation as opposed to the creator. So how do we do this? How do we pray and live like this? Well, real practically, we just start praying about God's kingdom, his will, and his promises. Paul in 1 Timothy 2 writes, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, 
who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Paul says that God desires for all people to be saved uh, all over and around us. So a great thing to pray, if you want to pray in God's will, a great thing to pray is for the salvation of others. You want to practically start living this out? Begin praying by name for your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers, your acquaintances, that they might come to faith, to salvation. You want to pray a prayer of eternal implications? That is a prayer of eternal implications. And as you pray, I would encourage you to write those names down so you remember to pray for them day after day. And then you can go back and you can highlight their name or circle their name on that day that they come to faith. That's an incredible way to partner in God's will and also be reminded of God's faithfulness and answered prayers over time. As you pray for those individuals, I guarantee that God will give you an increased sensitivity to what he is doing in people's lives. And he will give you opportunities to shine his light and share his hope with the world around you. Another thing you can begin to pray for is pray for the nations. Pray for the people groups who don't have access to the Bible, to the truth, the gospel of who Jesus is. Pray that God would move in their lives, that he would send workers, and that he would be glorified by all peoples on the earth. The Bible says it's going to one day happen. Pray for those people. 150,000 people die every day in the world, and it's estimated that 46,000 of them will die without ever hearing the name of Jesus. Pray that they might hear and that they might receive the hope, forgiveness, and salvation of Jesus. There's an organization called the Joshua Project, and they are dedicated to researching and taking the gospel to these people who have never heard the name of Jesus. So if you want to pray for the nations and pray for God's will to be accomplished and people to be saved all over the world, go visit their website. One thing you can do that I've done is you can sign up for a daily email from them, and it gives you a different people group every day that has not heard the gospel. It gives you information about them, and then it, it, it encourages you to pray for them each and every day. That's an easy uh, way to pray for God's kingdom to come and his will and his mission to be accomplished all over the world. Another practical thing you can do is start praying God's truth, his promises over your life. Study his promises and pray those over your life and your family's life. Another thing you can do is just read the prayers of the Bible and repeat those promises found in those prayers back to God and model those prayers as you speak to him about his kingdom and his rule. And so Jesus here, he's calling us to lift our eyes from ourselves, to lift our eyes from the immediate and begin praying and living lives that focus more on God, on his kingdom and his will, and less on you. All right, verse 11. Jesus says, we are to pray, give us today our daily bread. So we have said that Jesus desires for us to see beyond ourselves, to pray and live lives for God and his kingdom. But here we see God is not indifferent to us. He cares for us personally, and he cares even about our daily needs, and he is our daily provider. This statement here, give us today our daily bread, would have drawn the hearer, and it should draw us back to the story of the Exodus. We walked through it last fall, but if you remember that as the people were wandering in the wilderness, God provided for their daily needs quite tangibly in the form of manna or bread from heaven. Every morning they would wake up and God would provide their food for the day. It would just be sitting out there for them to collect, but they could only take what they needed for the day, trusting that God would once again provide food for the next day. They had no other source of food in the wilderness, but they lived day to day dependent on God to provide. So Jesus is calling us to that same kind of faith, that same kind of recognition of our dependency on him. And so I think we see two really powerful truths in this. 
One is that we just see that God cares about our needs. That's amazing in and of itself. The God of the universe is not indifferent to what you and I are going through. And then secondly, we see that we are dependent on God to provide. I think in America, we often don't feel that, but Jesus would say we are dependent on him daily to provide for us. And so that's our next point. Jesus teaches that God cares about our needs, and our prayers and life should reflect our dependence on him. I, I love this first point, that God cares about our needs. Early theologians, they had come to the conclusion that Jesus could not possibly be talking about real bread. And that God could not possibly be talking about our real daily needs. And so they allegorized that he must be talking about either communion or he must be talking about himself as the bread of life. But John Calvin, I love this stuff, such interpretations, which fail to see God's interest in everyday things. He says, this is exceedingly absurd that you would allegorize this. God does indeed care about everyday things. And we should pray about them to him. It's so amazing that God of the universe is not indifferent, but he cares for you. And he cares for me as a good father cares for his child. He cares about our daily needs. He cares about our trials and struggles. He cares about our children. He cares about our grandchildren. He cares for us if we're just working a dead-end job. He cares for us if we're the homemaker at home changing diapers and cleaning the house. He cares about everything we are going through. God is not indifferent, but he cares for us. And he wants to hear, hear about our needs, and he, wants, he is the one that supplies all that we have. Such a mind-blowing thought that God of the universe cares about me. Not just big picture cares about me, but he cares about me daily. God has created all things. He sustains all things. He holds the universe in his hands, and yet he cares about me, and he cares about you. Jesus, he cares about your needs, your sustenance, your work, your children, your daily tasks. God cares, so you can and should pray to him about those things. And when we pray to God about our needs, about our day, about our struggles, it should remind us of the complete and total dependence in which we live on him. Because of who our God is, because he is the God of the universe, because he is the creator and sustainer, because he does care for us as a good, good father, then we can trust everything. And we can trust that he will provide all that we need. The Israelites in the wilderness, they were completely dependent on God. If God were to forget about them for a day, and he didn't provide food for a day, then they would have gone hungry. They didn't have reserves. They didn't have rainy day supplies. They were totally dependent on him. And Jesus says, although we may not feel that reality, the truth is we are dependent on him daily as well. The Bible tells us it is the God that gives us life who supplies our resources and who meets our needs. And so our prayers should recognize our dependence on him, our need for him in our lives. All right, verses 12 through 15. Jesus says, we are to pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so in this last section of the model prayer, Jesus closes the prayer and he grounds us back in the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus and the forgiveness he offers is the foundation for all things for the follower of Jesus. Our greatest need, the Bible tells us, is our sin, which separates us from a holy and perfect God. And through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we can and we have received forgiveness of those sins if we have trusted 
him with our lives. And it is that forgiveness that, that God gives us, that, that God gives us, that gives us hope for eternity, that gives us hope for today, that calls us to follow God as opposed to the temptations of the world. And it is his forgiveness that calls us to offer forgiveness to those that have wronged us. The gospel, the forgiveness we have received is the foundation of our lives as followers of Jesus. Jesus says it should be the foundational truth, the cornerstone of our prayer life as well. The reality, the truth of the gospel and the forgiveness we have received is the bedrock of our lives and our prayers as well. And so that's our final point. Jesus teaches that our prayers should remind us of the reality of our forgiveness and remind us to show that forgiveness to others. Fowler writes, Jesus uses the word debts here because we owe God our full obedience. That means when we sin, we are actually in debt to him. And Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts, forgive us of our sins. Such an incredible truth. Like we, when we sin, we are in debt to God. And we can go to him and say, can you please forgive me of my sins? Can you forgive me of my debts? And he is faithful to. Right, we sang about it, but that is amazing grace. Think about that in the real world. If you went up to your bank this week and you said, could you please forgive me of my mortgage? Could you please forgive me of my auto loan? Could you please forgive my credit card balance? Right, what would happen? They would laugh you out of the bank. But the gospel says that when you ask Jesus for forgiveness, he has paid the price and he faithfully forgives. There's a song which says, he paid a debt he did not owe because I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away and now I see amazing grace. The truth of the gospel is Jesus has paid the debt that I and we could never pay. And this truth is the foundation for our lives and it is the foundation for how we walk through this life and how we interact with others. As Christians, we live our lives walking in grace. We live our lives confident in the grace that God has shown us. And we are called to share and show that grace with others. So as we pray, Jesus says we give thanks for that grace. We reorient our lives around that truth of who we are in him. And we are called to live it out and show that grace to others. And so Jesus here, he's given us a model for prayer. He's given us a model to reorient our lives around God and his ways. And so as followers of Jesus, we must make time to commune and to talk with God. Because we need daily to be reminded of who our God is and who we are in him. We need daily to be reminded that the God of the universe is not indifferent to us. But he loves us as a dad loves their child. We need to be reminded daily of who God is and that he is greater than anything we are facing. We need daily to have our perspective reoriented toward his kingdom and his purposes as opposed to our glory, our kingdom, and our purposes. We need daily to recognize our dependence on God and to remind ourselves of our need for him. We need to be saturated in, in the gospel daily. We need to be reminded of the truth and the, the reality of the grace and forgiveness we've been shown. We need daily to be reminded that we are to show that forgiveness to others. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So as Emily comes and we begin a time of response, where is God calling you to follow and walk closer to him? First, it's quite possible you may be here and you may not yet be a follower of Jesus. 
as we said throughout this series, if that's you, then once again, this message on prayer really isn't for you primarily. But instead, the message for you is the gospel. It is Jesus. It is the grace that we just talked about. And that gospel, the good news of Jesus is that no matter your past, no matter your sin, no matter your present, no matter your failures, Jesus came and he gave his life for your sin so that you could be forgiven. So that you could experience forgiveness. So that you could walk in relationship with God. So that you could one day experience heaven with him. So you may be made complete in him. It's the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. says, for God so loved the world. He so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Then he says in verse 17, God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And so if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, the message for you is that Jesus loves you no matter what your life looks like. And he offers you forgiveness if you will trust him. If you will believe in him and make you Lord and Savior, then he says you will be forgiven and you will inherit eternal life. He's not the banker. He's God who has made a way for you to be forgiven. And so if you've never trusted Jesus in your life, then what is holding you back? Perhaps today is the day you would follow him for the first time. And then for the many that are here that are followers of Jesus, then what is God calling you to trust him with today? Maybe he's calling you to join his mission, to call his purpose, to join his purpose, to join his desire and his will to make his name known and to see as many as possible saved around you. Maybe he's calling you to live that out, or maybe he's calling you just to begin praying this week. Begin praying with that mission in mind by name for the people around you. To begin praying for the nations with intentionality. To be praying that his kingdom would be accomplished and his will be done. Or maybe he's calling you to stop trying to control and navigate this life all on your own. Instead, he's calling you to trust him and to recognize your dependence on him each and every day. Maybe he's calling you to walk in the reality and the truth of the forgiveness you've experienced. Maybe he's calling you to walk in the truth that you are forgiven. You've experienced his grace. Maybe he's calling you to show that grace and forgiveness to others. So I'm going to pray for us. Emily's going to play. And as she plays, in just a couple of minutes, I just ask you to reflect on who God is. To reflect on the gospel. To reflect on what he is calling you to do as you follow him. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that in Jesus, you have made a way for us to be forgiven. God, I pray there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that they might experience your forgiveness today. That they might walk out of here in new life. That they might walk out of here with their sins, their debts forgiven. And with a new purpose. With eternal implications in this life. God, I pray for the many of us here that are your followers. God, I pray... First, that you would remind us of your love for us. That you would remind us of the forgiveness we've experienced, Lord, and that we would walk in that. And then, God, I pray that you would lift our eyes, lift our hearts some more. That we would be a people that don't just pray and don't just live for me, that don't just live for ourselves and our own pleasures, but that we would be a people that live for your kingdom and for your will to be accomplished. God, we pray that you would use us to reach this community of Green River, which we love with the gospel. That we would be faithful to pray for our friends and for our coworkers, for our neighbors, for our teammates. God, that you would use those prayers to open up the hearts and minds of those around us. 
God, that you would use us as unqualified and as broken and as humble as we are, that you would use us to shine your light, to shine your glory, that they might experience your grace and forgiveness. God, I pray that you would remind us too this week of just how dependent we are on you. How dependent we are on you and how faithful you are to provide. That in our daily needs, we would lift our eyes from ourselves to you. That we would recognize just how good you are to us. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us in these next couple of moments. That you would call us to deeper faith in you. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. thank you for just for how deep your love is for us. God, I pray that as we leave today that we would grasp your love and forgiveness we've received, Lord, and that we would show that to others. God, that, that we wouldn't live just for ourselves, but that we would live our lives for you. And God, we pray that you would honor that. We love you. In your name we pray. All right, well, as we close, just a, a couple of announcements. <clears throat> First of all, if you're new to Living Hope Church, there should be a welcome card somewhere in the area of you. If you wouldn't mind filling that out, there's a wood box on that back table. You can place that in. Also, we can place your tithes and offerings that you consider this your church home. Uh, in terms of announcements, uh, if you didn't know, this is spring break. Uh, and because of that, uh, there is no small group tonight. We will be back again next Sunday night. Uh, there's also no youth group or kids night this week because of spring break. Um, on the back of your announcements, there are some dates. There are dates for um, uh, summer children's camp and summer youth camp, which are sleepaway camps on Casper Mountain. Uh, those dates are on there. If you have questions or want more info on those, um, let me know. Also, there are the dates for our Bible school um, this summer, so we would love for you to join us for that. Again, we're always uh, looking for help on the worship team, so if you're interested at all in serving in that way, come and talk with us. We'd love to get you connected. Uh, so thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we hope and pray you have a great week. If you're traveling for spring break, we pray you have safe travels, uh, and we hope to see you again next week. You are dismissed. Thanks.